0: Candace Parker is along with us tonight. And moments ago, Kristen Ledlow. Parker, what a look inside. Kristen
1: Ledlow is on our sideline with the terrific
2: Candace Parker. I'm Kristen Ledlow. I'm Candace Parker. And this is Ledlow and Parker. Candace, this week we've got a big show. Well, every week, I think we have a big show. But this is an important one because the
3: battle for the number three is finally underway.
2: Oh, it's happening.
3: <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to relinquish my number three jersey, but for this one. I might.
2: For this one, for this future Hall of Famer. But you're a future Hall of Famer as well. I think you could convince Dwayne Wade, our guest today, by the way,
3: to give you number three. Well, see, he he's one of my favorite people. He's from Illinois. Um, but in order for me to give away my jersey, I've heard in the past that people that come to a new team that want their jersey, you know, they get like cars or like some type of bribery to give their jersey number. So I'm I'm willing to take all calls on that. Right. How much... Would you be willing to give up? I, I mean, I think it's really what he's willing to. I mean, you know, I like trips. Mm. I like wine. You know? She's a woman well, of principle. can be bought. Oh. Number three can be bought. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: time for That's What We Said.
3: I will handle it with dignity and class. You certainly messed up a lot more than I did. I think all of us just want to leave the league better than we came into it. And that's what we said. That's what we said. We said. <laughs> That's That's what what we said. said.
2: We're getting better. We are. Every week. Week by week. (laughs) Progress. Anthony Davis returned to New Orleans. Kyrie Irving returned to Boston this past week. A couple of stars went to their old cities. Uh, The welcome home was, I think, anything but cordial. Well, anything but friendly. Anyway. What did you expect? Yeah. A.D. Booed in New Orleans. he scored 41. Kyrie didn't even play in his return to Boston, but he was somehow still the headline of the game. But it turns out that Marcus Smart is kind of tired of hearing about him.
1: Quite frankly, I'm I'm really honestly tired of hearing about Kyrie. Um, Kyrie's no longer with the Boston Celtics. And it's a slap across everybody on this team that's here now to keep hearing Kyrie's name because every last one of these guys have put in the work and we continue to put in the work. And we're here, we're still competing. But yeah, everybody, including the Boston fans, want to talk about Kyrie. Let's talk about Boston Celtics.
2: To Marcus's point, it hasn't just been because of Kyrie's return or lack thereof to Boston. It's been all season long that these Celtics players, that the media surrounding it has talked about Kyrie Irving, has talked about his play there last season, his lack of play there this season. Do you agree, though, that it's disrespectful to the current players?
3: I mean, whether Kyrie has been in or out, he's been the topic of discussion. Even last year, going into free agency, it was all about Kyrie the year before. Can the Celtics be good without Kyrie in the playoffs? You know, I I respect what Marcus Smart had to say. You know, everybody deals with things in a different way. Co-workers, teammates, however it is. They're, you may not like everybody, but you respect them. And so I feel like... You know, by Marcus Smart hugging Kyrie, it was more of a respect thing, but I'm with him. Like, they're not worried about Kyrie anymore. They're moving on. They're trying to play and people keep bringing it up. But guess what? Basketball is entertainment. It's about fans. <laughs> people people love controversy. They love, you know, when there's people are skeptical whether people like each other. So... It's, it's part kind of, of what
2: makes the NBA so entertaining exactly. as well. Is there's always so much more going on off the court than there is on the court. I think though that this is more about the narrative that we the media have created surrounding Kyrie because it's not just about his decision to leave Boston and go play in Brooklyn. This dates back to the kind of player and the kind of person that we deemed him to be in Cleveland and then what we saw from him in Boston and the expectation that he would be the leader at the helm of a team for the first time out of LeBron James' shadow and then And it didn't exactly happen that way for a number of reasons. And now we're expecting to see the same in Brooklyn.
3: But I just want to change the narrative a little bit because this is what my issue with the NBA is. Nobody's talking about Chris Paul in Houston. Nobody's talking about how bad of a franchise Houston is for trading Chris Paul. But Kyrie gets the blame of being such a bad person for doing what he feels is best for himself and going to Brooklyn. And so I'm just saying that, like, I think that, you know... Yes, everybody does what's best for them. But, like, how come it's not hung up on... Like people don't hang up on trades that different franchises make. So that make. the
2: criticism is more so heavily on players' decisions rather than franchises' rather than decisions. Franchises. Anytime that a player makes a decision, it's selfish or only about him, whereas exactly. when franchises make decisions, it's business. Exactly. And we don't seem to see it that way and on both sides. Don't. And
3: nobody's talking about, like, man, how could Houston sign him to this max deal and then trade Chris Paul Which the next is also second. a fair question that we should be asking. <laughs> I mean, it's very fair, but nobody's talking about it. And everybody is kind of I mean, on Kyrie's case about this, and it's in the headlines and things like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, the media makes what it makes. And as long as you're going to get these, continue to get these sound bites from Marcus Smart, you continue to get things that come out of the locker room. People are going to continue to be interested in it.
2: How much do you think, though, of this narrative is us trying to create something that maybe isn't there in order to keep up some of the interest over the last several seasons? If somehow we include a narrative from three seasons ago surrounding Kyrie Irving and, and, and bring it into this season, maybe people will still be interested.
3: Well, it's been, I mean, the NBA has capitalized off of storylines we've gotten to know the players and it's been the gift and the curse of things i mean you're opening yourself up to personal things that happen in your life that are now going to become public i mean that's what it happens it's an entertainment it's you're an entertainer but at the end of the day you know you got to do what's best for your family and things like that and not worry about what the internet's saying or you know people's opinions are.
2: Could it be perhaps over now that the the returns have happened on both sides? Anthony Davis has gone back to New Orleans. They booed him that one time. I don't really see it continuing in the future. Perhaps Kyrie, though, it'll be when he actually returns to Boston that they'll get to boo him the one time and then kind of move on as well. Do you think that perhaps these things are, are over
3: or at least close to being? I don't know if Kyrie was booed when he went back to Cleveland the previous year. I know the first time he was booed. I think he was. But last year when he went back to Cleveland, was he booed? So I think it kind of subsides. Yeah, there are going to be some fans that carry that. But any advice to New Orleans, if you boo Anthony Davis and he's putting up a 40-piece... I don't know if that booing is being very effective. I think, though, the
2: booing also has to have some relation to what he accomplished for that franchise. Like, maybe Boston fans have bigger reason to boo Kyrie than Cleveland fans have to boo Kyrie. Because, I mean, come on. That's very true. Look what he delivered, not just to that franchise, but to the city. One of the most important and iconic shots of all time in NBA history and NBA Finals history, undoubtedly. So maybe you have less of a reason to boo
3: him. And that's true. It's very true. Well, if uh, New Orleans wants to follow Cleveland's playbook, they shouldn't boo Anthony Davis because he's going to continue to put up 40 pieces. Yeah. You think sometimes it motivates those guys? Oh, my gosh. If you're getting booed. Oh, and especially if you hit your first shot, it's over. Is there anywhere that you go that you get consistently booed? I would say Minnesota and Seattle are probably two of the places that I oh, yeah. get viewed the most. I would imagine in
2: Minnesota they don't
3: Oh Minnesota probably even want to serve you at restaurants. LA.
2: Even if yeah. you're a paying customer. Yeah. No. <laughs> but for good reason. <laughs> Again though, all relating to what you've done on the court, which is a little different than what we're talking about with these guys. But I would expect
3: whenever there's some sort of ending or departure or trade or some type of sour taste left a break in your mouth. breakup, exactly. You can pretend all you want. There are some feelings that need to be released, and a lot of fans feel like they do that by booing. Closure. They need closure. Yeah, like all in every right. relationship.
2: <laughs> Let's move on. James Harden, though, is making history in the NBA this season. He joined Elite Company. He's had four 60-point games in his career. I, I unbelievable listen though to what he had to say after the most recent one it's your fourth 60th point game of your career you're tied now for third most all-time with michael jordan you're on a list with will chamberlain kobe Bryant, michael jordan when you hear your name with those three what goes through your mind
1: that's greatness right there those guys are uh something that i'm trying to get to you know hopefully at the end of when it's all said and done i can be missing in that group you know forever uh you know so Still a work in progress, but uh, we're working to get to there.
2: If his career, though, ends without a title, do you think he'll be mentioned among those greats forever, as he said?
3: There's always going to be an asterisk. Did I say that word right? I always struggle with asterisk. 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 Thank you.
2: I think it's the proper way to say it, but everyone says asterisk, so I I I think you go with
3: that word. I'm going to just go with asterisk. I'm going to be me. There's always going to be an asterisk. Asterisk. Nailed it. By James Harden's name <laughs> if he doesn't win a championship. Do you think a title? Yes, because I think that there's always you know this elite group and then there's others. But where I put into question are those that are champions but later in their career, meaning they jumped on somebody else's like d- will that help him? be in that elite group? I think it will, though, because the narrative we've created is that championships
2: are most important. It's not about the numbers that you put up. Think about some of the most prolific scorers, some of the best players in NBA history. A couple of our co-workers included Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller. I mean, talk about a prolific scorer. Talk about one of the best players in NBA history. Do you think that they're counted among that same group because they're not champions?
3: But would we have counted them among that group if later on in their career they hopped on a team? That but was, that's not the part that people remember. People only remember that you're an NBA champion. But see, that's my problem. Because I think that there's a difference between winning championships and being a part of winning championships.
2: So you think that James needs to win one at the height of his career when he's at the helm, when he's looked to yes. to, to,
3: to carry the weight offensively? I think so. Um, you know, you look at Oscar Robertson. He won one when he got to Milwaukee with Kareem. I don't know if he won in the height of his career but he's known as an NBA champion and I'm just wondering because for me I think that there's different ways there's varying ways to win a championship and you know if we're we're judging people based on rings it should be earned right not given wasn't that somebody's slogan It was <laughs> and if it wasn't it should be it could be ours I just think that there's a way to earn your rings and you earn them by winning in the height of your career and if you're that type of player winning it when you're you know number one or number two option
2: think though about the way that the narrative shifts surrounding a player based on championships
3: or lack thereof i mean you think of a player like robert ory who has won five championships with different teams and his clutch gene i mean he's hit a number of huge shots for his franchise But he's not in the list of clutch players.
2: Right. When we talk about clutch players, we talk about guys, perhaps like Reggie Miller, who didn't win a championship, but who's known for showing up in those moments.
3: And so I think there are two different conversations that we're having. But at the same time, there's so much that goes into winning a championship. If it was just an individual thing, Allen Iverson would have six or seven rings at this point.
2: Then are we wrong for placing so much emphasis on championships when the league has long been defined by dynasties, when there are a number of players who don't have championships because the Chicago Bulls were that good during that decade, or a number of players who will retire today today? that won't have a ring because the Golden State Warriors and LeBron James were that good?
3: Well, I would I would like to take it even a step farther. I mean, there's dynasties. There's greatness. There's a lot of people that were prevented from getting a championship ring. I mean, you look at the Jazz, Utah Jazz with Stockton and Malone. I mean, they go down as one of the greatest duos. They didn't win a championship. There's ownership. There's leadership. There's trades. There's things that all have to work in your favor. And we think of Michael Jordan winning six, but How many plays that came down to one or two possessions and so an entire career is defined based on Kyrie hitting a shot Would we talk about LeBron in the same breath in the same way we do right now maybe if Kyrie doesn't hit that shot and let's say Draymond doesn't get kicked out of game four and he plays and let's say Golden State sweeps or get they only win one game in that series are we mentioning him in the same way and you today. know
0: a lot
2: about that because oh, I there know. was so much criticism surrounding your career in the first how many seasons was it until you wanted it to nine NBA, seasons right and so you had to hear it for nearly a decade that you couldn't be in that conversation of the greatest to play in the women's game until you won a
3: championship and in some ways I think it's valid and in other ways there's so much more than just what you're putting in on the court there's You know, your ownership, everybody's got to be cohesive. So many things
2: that have to break in your favor, then maybe it's time that we start shifting the narrative.
3: James Harden has proven in the regular season he's one of the most dominant players ever. But in the playoffs, when teams are able to make adjustments, you know, the Rockets have to do the same.
2: The stakes are higher. One guy, though who consistently showed up when the stakes were the highest, called James Harden a certified bucket. And we've got Dwayne Wade on the phone.
0: Oh, Wade, what
1: a play! At the buzzer, Dwayne Wade, he comes through again!
2: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the newest member of our NBA on
0: TNT. Yes, sir!
2: Undoubtedly, a Hall of Famer. An NBA champion. I think, though, the most important now title of his on his resume is our TNT teammate and no longer the most important number three on the set. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that, but we'll introduce D-Wade
3: first. D-Wade, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thank you, guys. Uh, Y'all are silly.
3: Okay, you were retired, quote-unquote
2: retired for less than one full season before coming back to work full-time with us. Uh, My first question, why?
1: (laughs) Uh, It's an amazing team uh, that I'm able to join. So I thought I would get to it sooner than later. Uh, I mean, to be able to be a part of this this new uh, TNT family is just something I couldn't pass up on. It was an unbelievable opportunity. You know, Candace, no, I reached out to her right away and I was like, give me all the dirt. Let me know what's going on over there. Um, and she had nothing but great things to say. So it was just a great opportunity for me to stay around the game, um, get my butt out the house a little bit, um, but just continue, continue my, my path in life.
3: Well, we're really excited to um, have you as a teammate, you know, obviously to be a part of this. But there's one thing that me and you have to settle real quick because I know we're both both number threes. No, 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 no. (laughs) So I did some digging. You know, Deion Sanders, when he went to Dallas for the first time, you know, a a guy, one of his teammates had his number. Uh, Bryce had his (laughs) number, his number 21, and he bought Bryce a car you know, in exchange for his number. So just so you know, I can be bought. You can have the number three. (laughs) What she's saying is that it's up for sale. It's up for sale. I mean, you know, well, hold
1: on. My, my number three is going up in a Raptors away. So it's, it's leaving (laughs) me, you know, I don't, I don't want to spend any more money on that number. It's not, (laughs) it's, it's leaving.
2: Yeah. See, now, when I signed on to be part of this team, I had to, you know, audition and then cross my fingers that maybe I would be called back. You obviously were brought into the building as they're playing the Marquette fight song. So they didn't roll out a fight song for me. I had to just hope that perhaps they'd let me in the building again. But did that fight song have anything to do with swaying your decision?
1: Wait, so I get off the elevator and I hear a familiar song and I'm like, what is that? And I really don't. It really doesn't like come to me right away what it is. It takes me a few steps into like seeing all the TVs that say "Welcome, Duane Wade," and I'm like, "Wait a minute! Like I'm being pitched right now. Like I'm being recruited. <laughs> this is a recruiting. Like, this is, yes. Yeah. This is awesome. I didn't. I didn't know I was being recruited. Like and this is an
2: official visit. <laughs> yeah. Like
1: I felt like I. You know, it's been a long time since someone really you know opened the doors up like that for, for old guys. So it felt good.
2: But to have your hand in so many projects outside of the game of basketball, what was it that made you decide to want to be a basketball analyst week in and week out?
1: Well, I, I think the, the, when it comes to basketball, like I said, I mean, if there's anything I know with my eyes closed, it's the game of basketball. Um, I, and I'm an analyst at home all the time with my friends and family. Um, so to be able to come in and join just other greats you know, that, that share the same passion you know, for the game of basketball that I share, um, to be able to bounce off and you know, and and use each other's ideas, and just kind of like the locker room where you're in there and you just kind of vibing with your teammates, and they're getting the best out of you and bringing the best out of you. So, um, it was definitely something that I didn't think that I wanted to do, especially this soon. But, you know, sitting down with the TNT family and sitting down and seeing just overall how big of a brand that the Warner Media family is, and other things that I can tap into it really was something I couldn't pass up on.
3: Well, I was really excited when you made your announcement. They, they did a banana boat meme of, yeah. <laughs> of all of us on so the banana dumb. boat. So I'm very excited to be, be on this boat, you know, with, with you in January. Um, but there's another guy that, that is definitely, uh, on the boat and that is Shaq. Yeah. He's going to sink. That yeah. <laughs> um, and, we,
1: we need a yacht. Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> need, we definitely need, we no definitely need <laughs> yeah. a
3: yacht for that, yeah. but you know, Obviously, me and you, we go way back, and shout out to D-Wade, Kristen. He, when I was in college, you know, the d Wade sidekick was like, you were it if you had the D-Wade sidekick. Ah. So just so you know, I got hooked up with the D-Wade sidekick. I don't know if there's, like, you know, any rules with that, but I got a sidekick, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So I might have just told him myself on on air, but... I got a sidekick, it was unbelievable. So D Wade and I go way back, just always been this, just genuine nice guy and the same thing with Shaq. So can can you share maybe your first meeting with Shaq and, and how you got to be so close?
1: Uh yeah. Um, you know, Shaq got traded to Miami after my rookie year and I remember where I was when he got traded. Um I, I was I was in LA for the X S P awards. And I remember walking on the red carpet, and I hear them saying, Shaquille O'Neal, new teammate of the Miami Heat, Dwyane Wade. And, like, people started screaming and stuff. I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> <You> know, nobody, <laughs> nobody really knew me like that. But, you know, when I got back to uh, Miami and I got an opportunity to sit down with Shaq, we had a very candid conversation about the expectations of, you know, our team. You know, Shaq came in and promised the championship right away. And we sat down and discussed what that means, what that looks like, you know, what, what is going to be needed for me and him. Um, and the biggest thing was, like, we got to be on the same page. You know, whatever happened in L.A. with, you know, Kobe and myself is something that cannot happen here. I think Shaq understood that he was getting older and he seen something in me and he wanted to be able to help bring that out. Um, I was very shy and quiet, but he seen something from my basketball time and he wanted to bring it out. And He gave me the confidence in that first meeting that that's exactly what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. He told me, he said, I'm going to make you – the best shooting guard you know one of the best guards to ever play this game um and he gave me the confidence to go out there and just be myself so it was it was a dope meeting it was so cool to be able to sit down with one of the games greats and talk about like we're about to play together we hopefully gonna win championships together and so forth and so on so it was cool
2: has he given you any similar advice or confidence coming into this role on tnt
1: no, I ain't. I ain't got nothing yet. I think he's just gonna. I'm like a rookie. He's just gonna let me. I gotta figure it out. It's okay, well, we have backpacks.
3: We expect donuts on yeah. the first day. um You know, I gotta
1: bring donuts. We gotta Whoa, bring donuts. What you gotta bring Krispy
3: Kremes. It's a. It's a crispy rule. Krispy Kremes.
1: Yeah. Okay, so the 28th of January, I'm walking in. With you have to bring cream. in.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. donuts. We'll have your backpack ready. It'll be perfect.
1: <laughs> Listen, I'm. I'm new. I'm just here to learn. You know, I'm just. I'm just here to to do if I need to take a charge, let me take a charge. Yeah. I don't know what. Whatever, coach.
2: Without a doubt though, we joke that your most important role now is our TNT teammate, but your most important role over and over you've said, I'm a father first and everything else after that. First yeah. and foremost, what's been the biggest difference in fatherhood since leaving the game and being at home so much more often?
1: It is actually um it's actually been great for me. You know, I've been able to to be a little bit more um in tune to my kids everyday life. You know, the game of basketball is amazing and it's taken me so many places, but one thing it did take me, it took me away from, you know, being able to be there, you know, for the small moments and not just the big ones. So I'm definitely enjoying, you know, being involved. I I, I was walking out I was walking my twelve year old to the car the other day like, all the way into the car. And, you know, and Zai was like, "Uh, Dad, I got it. Like, you don't have to, like, strap me in. Like, I'm a a big (laughs) – I'm grown now. But, like, I'm really, like, trying to get back to, like, some of the things I missed. And I want to let them know daily that, um, you know, that I'm here for them Um, and that I want to be as much – I want to be as much as I can be I want to be involved, you know, in their lives. And uh, so it's been cool. You know, I've been able to just learn them in a different way, see them in a different light, and I love them even more now.
3: Well, you know, I have to admit, I am one of your daughter's million followers on Instagram. How did this happen? She is one of my favorite (laughs) people on Instagram. And the quotes that you and Gabby put on there, and just like her expressions, she is beautiful, and I just love You guys, as a family, just seeing your everyday... Already such a personality. Just a personality when you crossed her with the basketball and she fell down. (laughs) I mean, it's just like you bring to light so many things that, you know, athletes love to do with their children, and I just really enjoy seeing that. So how has that been? I mean, she's she's kind of a big deal now. She's got a million followers, and she's one years old.
1: Well, first of all, I can't take credit for none of the social media stuff, only thing I can take credit for is her face and her facial
2: expression. <laughs> yes. Oh, undoubtedly. She stole my
1: face. That is dad. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: But her mother is the one that writes all the captions. Like, it's a full time job. You know, like, now it's to the point where I think, like, my wife is like, do we need to hire, like, a writer for her social media? Because people want content. Like, they want shady baby <laughs> content. They, yep. Uh, so oh. it's become a full time job. But overall, I mean, you guys heard, you know, me and my wife went through just a long journey to get to to this place and you know we have the exact baby that we pray for I mean she's funny she's tough she's athletic she you know she's a tomboy like she's a combination of, of both of us together and uh, we're just enjoying it so you know me crossing her up she was laughing like the next day she's ready for it again <laughs> just having fun with it you know
2: And you went on a very public journey to have her. You live a very public life and you're always very open with the public as well. And you've chosen to publicly stand by your kids. Even when there's a lot of public criticism, why is it important for you to set that kind of example?
1: Well, you know, I, I let my kids know, you know, at least until they get older and they take over. But, you know, I take my role as the leader in this family very seriously. And for me, you don't parent all your kids with, you know, one booklet, one pamphlet that says this is how you parent. you got to get to know your kids, each and every last one of them, and you parent them um, where they're at, and you treat them how they should be treated. So I don't treat, you know, Zion the same as I treat Zaire because Zaire likes basketball like me, so that means that i got to treat Zion the same way. That's not how it works. So for me is I sit down and I talk to my kids. I ask them what their wants are, what their needs are. And how can I help them, you know, get to that? How can I help them become better? And it's just a support thing for me. You know, I'm just here to, to, my role in their lives as a parent is just to to help them navigate through this world and give them the nuggets along the way, give them the love and support along the way. But it is not to change them and who they are, um, it's to bring out who they are and, and them feel loved and supported by, you know, the ones that really matters.
3: Well, Dee, you know, I've always whenever we see each other, I always you always ask about Layla and I always ask about your kids and things like that. And I think we share a lot of parenting experiences with each other. And for me, the hardest thing is parenting against other parents or parenting against society and doing what's right in in for your child and knowing that, you know, as parents, we tell our kids to be themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as society is like, hey, no, that's not the way you're supposed to be, then it's like, look at everybody else. We have to be this way. So I just want to take the time. This isn't a question. It's just to commend you on just allowing your kids to be themselves and just how, you know, we need more African-American fathers to be there and to stand up and to be leaders of their family. And so I just, you know, this isn't a question. It's just saying that, you know, I recognize that and I respect it for sure.
1: I, you know, I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I like to say that, you know, I feel that I'm not doing anything special. You know, I like to say that I'm just being a parent. But I, I have, you know, because of social media, seeing, you know, the things that people say, whether it's older people or younger people. And, you know, that's sad to me because that's not how I look at the world. The way I look at the world is just totally different, I guess. And uh, I, and I, as, my, as Zion told me recently that, he said, I'm, I'm glad that you're my father, you know, and and I and I thought about it because, you know, we were sitting there watching Pose together and it was a scene in Pose where the young man came home and I mean the young man was um the young man's father came home and you know he kicked him out of the house for being gay and stuff like that and, and, and Zion's never really seen that before because all he's had and all is the love from our family and the support from our family from day one. So that right there hit me so hard in my heart. It lets me know that, you know, I'm doing something right in this world. Um, So I'm just trying to be what I feel that my kids need me to be for them. And I'm not worried about the outside world perspective of my family and my kids and what I should do. That's why they're not in my house. They're on the outside. So I keep them out there.
2: You also recently tweeted support uh, saying that you're more proud of your wife than ever before. What happened this week that led to her in headlines? And why did you feel the need to so publicly support her in a way that, that that needed to be seen?
1: Well, you know, the biggest thing, if you guys, you know, read what I said, my support is, is of my wife and standing for not only herself, uh, standing for many, many that will come after her. I think, you know, you got to understand the importance of, you know, your position and your role. My, my wife is um, an African American woman who, obviously, um, the news, you know, come across of her getting fired, and it wasn't about being fired. Is everything that 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 led to that or why it happened, but. She didn't say, hey, just give me my money, let me go away. She stood and standing tall for the next person um, and the next individuals that walk into a similar role or other roles um, that they feel confident and, and know that, you know, things need to be done a certain way. You know, we just, we're just in a different time. We're in a different day. And if someone doesn't speak up and if someone doesn't stand up, um, then change will not happen. So, um, you know, I think we understand that our voice, we understand this platform, and we understand what we mean to our community. So, anytime we have an opportunity to, you know, change the perception of of what has been done or what should be done, uh, we will definitely do that. Which no thought at all.
2: Which you did often as a basketball player as well. And some of your closest friends now are continuing to produce at the highest level. Candace and I were talking before we got you on the phone. We think that you probably could have done a couple of more, but we won't get too far into that. Let's talk a little bit though about your boy Carmelo Anthony, the Western yeah. Conference player of the week.
1: Yeah, I'm so happy for him, man. Like literally right before I got on the phone with you guys, uh I sent out a tweet just to, you know, just to let it be known, like, you know, who he is. You know, it's Carmelo Anthony, if anybody forgot, one of the greatest basketball players, you know, to play the game of basketball. But overall, I'm just happy that, you know, he's doing what brings that joy to him. The game of basketball brings an unbelievable amount of joy to him. You could see it on his face. He just loves the game. And even when he was away from the NBA... Well, the players would be around him at his gym in New York working with him and you see him still working and, and 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 being a mentor to players. So I mean he's just a he's a he's a person who has some kind of rap out here that is not right and I'm I'm thankful for Portland for giving him this opportunity and this platform to go out there and play the game that he is still very good at. So man, I'm so happy for him.
3: Well speaking of another teammate, a past teammate of yours and friend in LeBron James, I mean this year those that doubted him, or if anybody doubted him, I mean, they... Why? Exactly. It wasn't us. I, it I was just, not why? us. Let me just I don't say that. It. It, yeah, it wasn't us. Let me just, <laughs> let me put that out there. It was not us. But at the same time, just what he's doing right now, I mean, he's looking probably the best that we've seen him and right. he keeps getting better. How? That's He keeps our getting question. better like fine wine, D-Wade. How? Yeah.
1: Well, if I knew how, I'd still probably be playing yeah. if, if I had that secret. Um, you know, I, I, I said this too. I, LeBron averaged 28-8 eight, eight last year or something very similar to those numbers and I don't know who said he was washed. Uh, he got hurt for the first time last year and that's something that he hasn't dealt with a lot in his career, but I mean, what he's always done is he's kept himself in unbelievable shape. He's kept himself, you know, always finding new ways and better ways to improve himself, to improve his game. Um, And, I mean, you can see it. He can play as long as he wants. You know, knock on wood and nothing happens to him, but the guy can play the game about as long as he wants because his IQ is above 99% of the NBA. His physical body strength is (laughs) above 98% of the NBA. Um, and he just has the love and the passion for it, man. So he is representing for the 2003 class. <laughs> <laughs> so him, Cal Corver, and Melo is representing <laughs> for it. That's all we got left right Hang now. On. I,
3: I love it. But do you, do you think LeBron will play with Bronny at some point? Do you think he'll play with him, th- him or I against definitely him? I
1: Yes? Wow. I think he will. Okay. I think he will. I, I get a chance to watch Bronny uh, up close. Um, Bronny and my son plays high school basketball together. And I love what I see from Brownie as a freshman. And I definitely think, you know, if he continues to his, you know, um, you know, continue to get better each and every year, man, by the time his junior, senior year of high school, he's going to be so, so scary. And I think LeBron is going to keep himself, you know, hopefully, you know, he's going to keep himself on the basketball floor so he can have that that opportunity. I mean, that'd be something that is amazing. And LeBron is about doing stuff first. So that would be the first time Man, it'd happen. Uh, that would be, and I think he can do it. You know, I, I don't want, I don't think that puts any pressure on Le- on Bronny. I think Bronny, you know, understands, you know, his family's legacy. He understands what the James name brings and he handles it very well. And I think, you know, he goes out there and play the game of basketball because he loves it and he's, he's very good at it. But I think, you know, his talent is going to take him to that next level and, I think his dad would be right there waiting Scary. on him.
3: Scary. <laughs> before
2: we be, let you go, be, what, yes. You, wouldn't
1: it be cool if he just, like, played his son one game and then retired after that, that to, like, would be, the ball, like, just, I'm out.
3: Yep. <laughs> yes. That would be unbelievable. Like, deal with the James for the next 20 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that would be dope. Like, <laughs> I love that. Dwayne, before we let you go,
2: as – this battle for the number three plays out here on TNT. No, nope, ain't it- no battle. See, <laughs> here's what I'm talking about. That
1: <laughs> is still playing. All
2: right. Well, we want to play a game with you that we've called the big three. First thing that comes to mind, we're going to ask you about some important threes in your career. Just quick answers off the top of your head. Ready?
1: Okay.
2: He's like, yeah, you explained it well. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the- this is tough. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. They're gonna edit all that part out. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. The three biggest shots of your career. Go.
1: Um, the first game winner. Winner, I hit um, against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Wade drives on the pull-up
0: at the buzzer. Oh,
1: Wade puts it in, and the Heat with the victory here at the Garden. <laughs> The game winner I hit against Chicago Bulls at home when I jumped on the stands and said this my house. Yep. Yes. Wade with two seconds and one. Buzzer to win. Got it! at the buzzer, Dwayne Wade! He comes through again! That is ridiculous! And the game winner I hit my last year versus Golden State. That was unbelievable. Uh, it sent me off the right way. Back to Dwayne. Shoots.
3: No, he couldn't get it off. Now fires it up. Counts! It counts! The Heat win the game! That was unbelievable. All right, what are three things you must do every day?
1: Three things I must do every day. Uh, I must brush my teeth. <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> I knew he'd go this <laughs> direction, <laughs> <with> it? <laughs> yeah, uh, but, <laughs> are we talking about in life? Just period?
3: I mean, there's three things you have to do every day. What
2: you can you, take well, it any uh,
1: direction you like. Okay, so I'm going to just, one will be get myself ready for the world. to. Be around me. That would we'll be brushing my teeth, <laughs> washing my face, taking a shower—all that.
2: That's inspirational, um, to, but also practical. Very practical.
1: Well, I'm just, you know, um, I feel it's important that every day I tell all my loved ones that they're loved, that I love them. I don't ever want a day go by that they don't feel that. Um, and then I also take a time to myself to um, to thank God for you know the life that I've been given, and uh, and put my vision out there every day about you know my life and where I want to go.
2: I like that. I like Such that depth that, that followed very, yeah. brushing teeth. It was wow. like,
1: yeah, practical. And then it was like, well, you got to yeah. brush the teeth, though. That's first. Yeah.
2: All right. Last one. Three catchphrases you want to try out on TNT. You know, Shaq has the barbecue chicken alert and Chuck has his guarantee. Do you have any idea? Any Anyone that you want to just kind of throw out there, see what sticks? Uh-
1: Absolutely not. I'm not a catchphrase person. I, I don't know how I'm gonna like translate to that catchphrasing.
3: Well, yes, you are. Right. I should consult Gabby because Gabby has some good catchphrases with well, yeah, with, ba- with baby great. girl. Yeah, shady baby, Wait, and Candace, like all that. So maybe you should. Candace, what is yours? I, see, we're work in progress. We don't. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, well, listen, well, I we we'll work together, Dan. There we go. I, I've never had a catchphrase.
2: You had one last dance. That
3: was a great one.
1: Well, okay, yeah, but I can't say that on, like, that's not like barbecue chicken. I mean, one that's last dance brand. would be
3: cool if somebody got crossed and you were just like, one last dance. Oh,
1: wow. See, there yeah. you go. This we, might why have, we, we might teammates. be onto something. Like, like
3: burying him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might
2: be onto yeah, something. Yeah, see,
1: there you go. Bam, there we go. There we there, go. We one got last you. dance is my first catchphrase. <laughs>
2: Dwayne, it has been an absolute pleasure. We can't wait for you to be here in studio. You're, you're going to probably have to come back on the podcast once you're here with us. Just FYI, Oh, good. Yeah. I'll
1: bring whatever. I tell me what I got to do. bringing donuts. I got to bring warm, cold towels. Whatever I need to bring, <laughs> let me know I want to make sure that I'm bringing something to this team. So yeah, I love it. You, you
3: already way. are. We really appreciate you joining us, and we really look forward to working with you. Thanks, Dwayne. We love
2: you. Thank you.
1: Love you guys. Appreciate it.
2: In our last episode, we discussed potential changes to the NBA season and how those changes could perhaps intrigue fans in a way that they just flat out aren't. And the stats right now back it up. National games are down about 18% from last time this year to this time this year. So instead of talking about some of those changes, Candace, I want to know first and foremost, what do you see as what's to blame for the NBA being down in ratings thus far?
3: Well, just looking at the NBA as a whole, a lot of times, just the the programming is so late, and a lot of the league has shifted out west. Oh, I think and so that's undoubtedly when amazing. you have your main guys. Your if you think of the top even ten to fifteen players in the league, the minus, guys who pull ratings, minus Giannis, they're all out west. And who do you want to see? Those guys out west, and you're missing an entire fourth of the country in. Viewership if games start at 10.30 p.m.
2: With that being said, though, you said minus Giannis. He's undoubtedly the biggest superstar in the Eastern Conference. But one of the biggest superstars in the NBA... In Kevin Durant, he's out all season long, and I don't feel like it's being talked about enough how big a ratings dip could stem from not only feeling as though all of the superstars are out in the Western Conference, and if I want to watch them, I've got to stay up until past midnight on a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever night of the week it might be that I would not have stayed up that late anyway, but K.D., arguably the best in the NBA now. I'd argue he's at least top three in the NBA right now. He's not playing all season long, and it's not just KD. Some of the younger stars as well. Zion Williamson, think about how much hype was surrounding
3: his NBA And how many games were put on television just to watch him play and yeah, now got Another one this on week. yeah right yeah headed to new orleans <laughs> this week
2: <laughs> what do you think that could be done about though perhaps marketing the next generation of these players because i think a lot of the conversation has surrounded on who's out and who's not playing but there hasn't been a lot of excitement surrounding perhaps even the next generation
3: but Kristen, we talked about the evolution of the game but we also talked about the evolution of the fan yeah and right now You know, there's so many things that have our attention, but then there's also just our mindset. I don't want to watch it. If I click on something and it's a six-minute clip, chances are I'm probably not going to make it all the way through. Oh, our attention spans are (laughs) no longer. Are so short. And so I don't know if it's that people aren't paying attention to basketball as much as that I don't know. My family, when the Bulls game was on, we all sat down. We ate dinner early, and we watched the Bulls game together. Because that was your option, sitting down on a Wednesday or a Thursday night. That
2: was it. When it comes to watching national television, you sit down and you watch the Chicago Bulls. That's why I argue against the number of fans and national media members who talked about perhaps ratings starting to dip when it was just LeBron and the Golden State Warriors ruling the league season after season, because this is a league that has always been built around dynasties. It's just now there are more options. Instead of continually watching the same teams and the same players at the highest level over and over. You can
3: just finish Breaking Bad.
2: Which I did this (laughs) week. So proud of you. But there are just too many options now. And as you mentioned, fans are consuming content
3: differently. So So what what are your thoughts? What are ways that the NBA can improve viewership? and people tuning in to entire games?
2: I think first and foremost, you start with some of the changes we talked about in the last episode. I think you have to figure out a way to make the regular season more important. If that means you shorten the regular season so these guys are playing more often and getting hurt less often. If that means that you incentivize a mid-season tournament so that people are tuning in to actually watch all 30 NBA teams. I also think perhaps you shorten the playoffs in some capacity. If I know I've got to watch six months of regular season basketball. Basketball that we no longer are placing an emphasis on, and then three more months of playoff basketball, which, by the way, features half of the NBA, then why? What, what's my incentive as a fan to place importance on all of these games?
3: No, you're exactly right. I think that one of the most exciting times is right after All-Star. And for what reason? You think the NFL is done pretty much after All-Star. Baseball starting spring trading. So you've got hockey that's competing at the moment. But so, the
2: NBA, though, it takes the forefront because the games start to matter.
3: And the NBA takes the forefront. So I think it's you hit it on the head. The games have to matter. And I do believe that an in season tournament will bring excitement. I do believe that the year that they started on Christmas, I mean, how many One people, of my favorite seasons. How many people tuned in excited? Like, Santa Claus was coming the next day. On a day
2: when there's no competition for it. It's either you're watching what's the movie that plays all day every Christmas, a a Christmas story. Yeah, Christmas story. Either you watch that for 24 hours or you can watch the start of the NBA season. Why not?
3: There are ways that television can further engage the fans, whether it be maybe channels where, because people like to be involved in things. Anytime there's a poll or you feel like you're directly involved in the game. I mean, we even toyed with the idea Um, of maybe putting a camera on LeBron and make it so that the fan experience is, you get to see what it's like to run up and down the court as LeBron. And maybe you clip away to that. I think it's just making it more engaging and more fun that you can't get in like a three minute soundbite of replays. Do
2: you think it's possible to make any of those late games any earlier? Do you think that that should be prioritized as well? If the best basketball is being played, sometimes at 10 and 11 at night, those games are starting on the East Coast.
3: You got to have a balance because it doesn't seem like attendance. When you're looking at games, the biggest thing as a viewer on television, you want to see the stadium full. Because if you click to a game and the stadium is, you know, a third of the way or a fourth of the way, that's the reason why the WNBA struggles at times. Is because when fans tune into the game and there's not many people at the game, usually you take that as a judgment of like, I'm going to keep going to the next channel. And so with the NBA, you still want to have fans there. So I know in L.A., if they were to start any earlier traffic to get to L.A., I mean, people don't get to the Lakers game until the second quarter now. I can only imagine if they started the game a little bit earlier. So we can continue to market
2: the next generation superstars. We could perhaps incentivize some of these midseason tournament or shorter playoff type ideas. And you I mean, I'm with you entirely. I think we start the season a little bit later have a few less games, right? And perhaps the the hype surrounding the start of the season could somehow match the hype that I think seems to reach its peak at the end now of every season as a new champion's been crowned and as we see all of the movement and who's going to end up where. If we could somehow capitalize on a day where everybody wants to pay attention, where you eliminate distractions, where it's the only thing people are paying attention to,
3: you capitalize on it. One of my favorite segments is called The Lead Low Down. That's right. But well, I but, mean, this week you were yeah. at home drinking really nice wine that you provided for your family, correct? You for were the Thanksgiving, wine. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yes. You were in charge of the wine.
2: So I was on the road, but I don't think those stories will be as interesting to Actually, our listeners. Actually, they might. I don't know. We might have to rethink <laughs> this.
3: It, it, it
2: might be. So instead, we're going to go with our favorite moments thus far from this NBA season through October and November. We've got Two months in the can, now behind us, our favorite things. All right. What's your favorite player to watch? Thus far this season. This this season. yeah. And I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about him because the only conversation surrounding him was how he'll fit in. And will he make the team better or worse? And you're smiling right now because you know I'm talking about Russell Westbrook. And given... I am a Russell Westbrook apologist. Anyone who knows me, anyone who follows my work knows how much I love Russell Westbrook, knows how much I love his game, knows how much I love his attitude, knows how much I love his swag. But he's quietly averaging 22-8-7, and seven, and the Houston Rockets are fifth in the Western Conference. And because James Harden has been as incredible as he's been thus far this season, we're not talking a lot about Russ. And I love having him, just watching him have such a quietly good season thus far.
3: I like Russ. I like Russ a lot. And I do love the addition to Houston. Because not everyone
2: did. A lot of them.
3: But the impact that he's making, I mean, I think it's fun to watch him get down the court in three seconds. Yes. And I love seeing him play healthy. I think last year we didn't get to see Russ because he wasn't, you know, as healthy as as we would have liked. But, you know, I'm going to go with the craze right now. I'm going to fall into that trap and say Luka Doncic. I knew it. I mean, what's not to love? I almost said Luca, but I thought she's gonna say
2: Luca. I'm gonna and say so Luca. I've gotta go with that? my tribe Good and job. true. Good
3: job. <laughs> I, I love Luca just from the simple fact that it's taken him one year. I mean, we saw the signs last year that he was gonna be a huge player, but the jump that he's made this year in that he is just dominant. I mean, you watch the games and you see how under control. I mean, yeah, we can talk about the numbers averaging 30 point triple double through a span of 10 games we can go into all the facts but for me as a fan just to watch this guy that people questioned whether he was going to be athletic enough if his body was going to be right by this year that he needed to lose weight and he's gone from being named rookie of the year last year to now being possibly top five in the league a superstar undoubtedly exactly. a superstar
2: in his sophomore season exactly. I had a feeling you were going to pick Luca. Let's move on to our favorite team to
3: watch. You can go first. I would say the Lakers have been fun for me to watch, just being in l a and just watching the the comeback for LeBron because in his seventeenth season, a lot of people doubted him after last year. You know, he had injuries and, First time in a very long time, he didn't make the playoffs, which was unheard of in LeBron's career. Was he washed? Was he done? I don't know if everybody said the things that he's tweeting about right now because he's kind of <laughs> maybe over-exaggerating, over-exaggerating a little
2: bit. But I think that he, even if it's – whether it's real or perceived, needs to create a, a – a, a reason to stay motivated at the highest level. I mean, exactly. Think about how many seasons he's had to find a motivating factor to be the best in the NBA again. And now we're watching some of
3: his very best basketball. I mean, the way that he's scoring, the way he's facilitating, I mean, he's playing defense this year, which I think has been the biggest jump in something that is exciting to watch. I mean, when Anthony Davis and LeBron and the rest of the Lakers play defense, you're able to see them get out and transition, which is like, poetry in motion, if you ask me. I mean, just the amount of weapons that they have on that team.
2: If I were to choose a favorite team to watch thus far this season, I've got to go Eastern Conference because given... I know that to do this job well, I have to stay up late and watch those Western Conference games, but also to do this job well, I have to go to sleep sometimes. So I'm not watching all of these Lakers and Clippers games in their entirety. However, I've watched a handful of the Miami Heat games, and I know you're smiling because we're talking about Dwayne Wade and talking to Dwayne Wade about what he accomplished in that number three jersey in Miami. And I don't think that they've been as excited about basketball since he retired, since LeBron left since Chris Bosh was forced to as well. And for the first time again, we're watching that fan base be revitalized and be excited again about some of these younger players. And it's not just Jimmy Butler. And I knew that Jimmy Butler would be great down there. I thought he'd be the perfect fit because of his emphasis on his fitness and because of the the, the kind of just hard-nosed kind of guy, kind of player that he is and because the, the Heat franchise always seems to encourage that. But also these young guys like Tyler Hero who are so fun and so exciting to watch Kendrick Nunn, who came out of nowhere and in his first handful of games made NBA history with the numbers that he was putting up. So I think a team like that has my attention right now.
3: I would agree. I like the Miami Heat, and it's a nice place to go watch games. So if we could get some more Yeah, I'm also publicly (laughs)
2: plugging them.
3: I'm available. Uh, She's okay with going to South Beach, folks. At any
2: point to 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 take my
3: talents to South Beach. Take your talents (laughs) to South Beach. What's What's your favorite moment? Oh, man. Thus far. There
2: have been a lot of good moments of the NBA season thus far. And while we're talking about whether or not people are watching, I think people are grasping on to some of these moments that are being captured just in these few second clips. But over several minutes of one of the most recent games, Clay Thompson somehow did a job that I've been training to do for the last decade, which is, you know, be a sideline reporter on national television. He did it better. I mean, his first try, he was so good. He was so entertaining. He was so informative. so clay. Without a doubt, he's so entirely himself. And I watched that not only feeling like, you know what? I love this guy on the court and off the court. I love this guy. I also, though, left watching it feeling a little bit challenged. Like, He's that good at that job because he's entirely himself.
1: All the bobbleheads. Tonight yeah. was headband bobblehead, Clay. Take me through these ones. Which one do you like and which one missed the mark? Most importantly, congratulations, Mrs. Prince of I love seeing those engagements here. It's always special. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I not... might have butchered your name. I'm sorry, but I tried. <laughs> we, just had, we just had a proposal. Yeah. All right, take Beautiful. me to the bobbleheads. Okay. Um, obviously, this is one of my favorites the three time champ and the surfboard. Not realistic. I can't surf. I would love to learn, but I do love the beach. Honestly, so. Clay was, vibes, he
3: was talking Clay. about his bobbleheads. I mean, it, it, and then he looked them, up at the <laughs> scoreboard and he was talking about the proposal that happened to congratulate that couldn't, the, couldn't and quite couldn't say the last name, the last name, but just love the moment. And he's just like, yeah, yeah my, my outfits because of my girl. Yeah. Like he just, <laughs> I just embrace best. and love his spirit the and best. you can just. You would love to play with a guy like that. Undoubtedly. What yeah. though
2: about you? If you're thinking about kind of a favorite moment that stands out this season. So
3: mine I shift to the court and I really as a fan genuinely enjoyed watching that Clippers Boston game. Oh yeah. At LA Clippers. I mean, just for me, I love Jason Tatum's game yeah. and I've loved following him since Duke and his playmaking ability and just that. He's that guy that you can tell is going to be a super, super, superstar. Did you feel like you were watching an NBA Finals preview? I Perhaps. was watching an NBA Finals. I mean, yeah. when he crossed up Paul George, which is one of the best defenders on the planet.
1: Beat it! Beat it! Beat it! Tatum drives George right there. Tatum gets a wide open look and knocks it down. Jason Tatum ties the game
3: and then hit a step-back, game-tying three-point shot. If I had to break down the best moment, even though Boston didn't win, that was probably the best moment of the entire A Kobe year. move on Kobe's court, nonetheless, after training with Kobe. Exactly. <laughs>
2: That'll do it for this episode. We want to say a huge thank you to Dwayne Wade. I mean, he's so many things, but I think probably the most important thing now is... He's our teammate, our co-worker. Yeah. Nothing more important than that. At no. all. But next week, we're going to talk to a powerhouse in the NBA coaching circle. I can't wait.